0: Hi, this is David Mattin and you're listening to New World Same Humans number 59, published on the 29th of March 2021. You can find the links included in this instalment and a link to the text version on the New World Same Humans article page where this podcast is embedded. So, let's go. As lockdown eases here in the UK, a transition is on the horizon. We're about to find out what the new normal looks like when it comes to work. The picture is still unclear. Last week, the Prime Minister urged UK citizens to get back to the office, saying they'd had enough days off during lockdown. Meanwhile, one of the country's largest financial institutions nationwide told its 13,000 employees that they're permanently free to work from anywhere. Two starkly different visions, then, of work in the 2020s. The same tension will no doubt afflict industrialised nations around the world. Many employers, though, are converging on a settlement, a mixed model that will see staff in the office occasionally and free to work anywhere for the rest of the time. That sounds a balanced compromise. It's also a revolution, one that will have far-reaching effects on the way we live how we do innovation, and the nature of citizenship. So this week, notes on the transition towards remote work. I've examined the shift across four key dimensions, cities, education, creativity and innovation, citizens and states. For each dimension, I've devised a short scenario built on a number of key predictions. In some future instalment of New World Same Humans, I'm thinking 2025 at the earliest, I'll revisit the claims I make this week. Each scenario features one tweet, chosen because it's a powerful illustration of one of the seeds already growing in 2021 of my imagined future. And if you navigate back to the article page where this podcast is embedded, you can see those tweets. A final note These scenarios are undeniably focused on rich, industrialised nations where office work is predominant and many can work from home. The World Bank estimates that in low-income countries only one in every 26 jobs can be done remotely. Those countries clearly will travel different paths and I hope to write about that in a later instalment. Cities. The lunchtime economy lands in the suburbs. Tier 2 cities compete for knowledge workers. New city-states are born, first in the cloud and then in real life. Affluent knowledge workers will still regard proximity to a megacity as an indicator of prestige and relevance. But now free to appear in the office once a fortnight, those with families disperse to attractive outer ring suburbs and satellite towns in search of more space and a garden. That shift remakes the suburbs, higher prices, a new wave of automated convenience stores to serve the lunchtime economy, and co-working spaces to allow work-from-home laptop junkies to escape the children. Meanwhile, reduced demand for homes and office space in the inner city eases rents. After two decades of gentrification, bankers, lawyers, young people with rich parents Some inner-city neighbourhoods are partially reclaimed by a genuine bohemianism. Artists, writers and actors put unused commercial and retail space to new and innovative use. But for millions of low-income workers tied to physical location, security guards, taxi drivers, care workers, inner-city life is still a struggle. Some knowledge workers do depart their megacity altogether, mostly to smaller cities. A new arena of intercity competition emerges as these locations fight to attract talent, taking their lead from the mayor of Miami, who used Twitter banter to sell his city as an alternative to Silicon Valley during the 2020 pandemic. Soon enough, that trend converges with a new push towards devolved governance – Inspired by 20th century success stories such as Hong Kong, the later 2020 sees a new wave of charismatic founders establish charter cities, independent city-states intended to attract itinerant knowledge workers and reimagine government for the 21st century. Many are born first as decentralised cities in the cloud, which bring people together based on shared values, interests and skills. Education. Lower-tier universities crumble to dust. Superstar lecturers embrace the creator economy. A new wave of online-first universities challenges incumbents. The pandemic forced universities to improvise remote learning programmes. In the years after 2020, they consolidate those new capacities and shift to a mixed learning model, online and in person, as standard. Elite institutions, think Harvard, the Sorbonne, Cambridge, continue to attract top student talent and act as finishing schools for the children of the 10%. But high tuition fees and new online options, more on this in a minute, make it harder for middle-tier universities to attract students. Fueled by all this and strained government budgets, the later 2020 sees a bonfire of middle- and lower-tier institutions. Meanwhile... The industry is swept by a vast curriculum and teaching consolidation. Why should 100 lecturers nationwide teach an advanced calculus course to new undergraduates each September, when 100 universities can now invest in and share a single online course? That shift fuels the emergence of a class of superstar lecturers whose courses are watched globally Soon, stars in this winner-takes-all marketplace look to break away and monetize their huge audiences, leveraging tools such as this new creator platform for academics. Later in the decade, superstar lecturers club together to form new online bundles. A bright idea, maybe we should call these bundles universities. At the heart of all this... Rising numbers of young people reassess the value exchange – economic, cultural, social – offered by a traditional undergraduate degree. After all, many now expect to make a living not as an employee, but as self-starting online creators of content, tools and services. The decade's middle years see the rise of entirely new, online-first universities catering to those expectations – Many take inspiration from early examples such as OnDeck, which famously modelled itself a Stanford for the internet as early as 2020. Creativity and innovation. Remote creativity is the new management. Startups compete to fuel remote creative magic. Small in-person cohabiting teams fall back in fashion. In a world of remote work. The science and art of collaboration at a distance becomes an obsession for founders, businesses and management thinkers in the 2020s. Cue an explosion of research when it comes to high-performing teams and the mechanics of remote creativity. Researchers take their lead from a now-canonical study by the MIT Human Dynamics Laboratory, which found that communication is what sets the best teams apart specifically an ongoing stream of democratic, multi-directional informal chatter that happens outside meetings. These patterns of communication were as important a predictor of success, especially creative success, as all other factors combined, including even the intelligence of team members, and in the 2020s, Countless Harvard Business Review covers promise new thinking on how to facilitate this kind of informal communication remotely. Meanwhile, startups compete to become the platform that takes teams from remote collaboration to remote creativity. New kinds of offices emerge in the metaverse via startups such as Gather. As the decade wears on, though, a creeping realization dawns. Nothing can match the strange fire that catches light when the right people are thrown together in person to eat, sleep and breathe the dream. Businesses start running residential innovation sprints. A new generation of startup founders, too young to remember the two people in a garage origins of many iconic technology companies, publish essays rhapsodizing the benefits of in real life innovation. Citizens and states. Citizenship is reimagined as a location agnostic bundle. Rising numbers question the relevance of the nation state. At the intersection of much of the change discussed here is a single powerful phenomenon that is, the emergence of the sovereign individual. In short, mainstream lifestyles in the 20th century were built around the need to live close to a place of employment. As that need falls away for many in the 2020s, fundamental questions about the relationship between individuals, places and governments emerge into view. The decoupling of knowledge work and location and a proliferation of one-person creator economy businesses fuels a new global class of itinerant workers who hop from city to city while working for the same employer or for themselves. To which country should these workers pay tax? Who funds their health care? A new conception of citizenship as a bundle of rights, responsibilities and benefits that citizens can take anywhere with them begins to emerge. By the end of the 2020s, the revolutionary idea that the nation-state is no longer a workable unit of political organisation has begun a long march into the mainstream. But via these shifts... Long-running tensions around globalisation find new expression. The dividing line between those able to work from anywhere and those bound to one place becomes increasingly politicised. Established knowledge workers in affluent countries must now compete against a global talent pool as employers seek accountants, designers and copywriters in cheaper markets. Those long familiar with the downsides of offshoring from call centre staff to manufacturing workers, have little sympathy. By the end of the decade, politics is fundamentally polarised around those who have little use for the nation-state and those who cleave to it more tightly than ever. Share your screen. Thanks for listening this week. One last request. If this week's instalment struck a chord please consider forwarding the email to someone who'd also enjoy it. Or you can share the email across one of your social networks with a note on why you found it valuable. Just navigate back to the article page where this podcast is embedded and hit the share button. I'll be back on Wednesday with new week same humans. Until then, be well.